You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. The business of cannabis is sponsored this week by Chima, North America's leading provider of cash management hardware and software. Chima has the perfect mix of cash recyclers and smart safes for the cannabis dispenser. Track, manage, and secure your cash. Reconcile with your POS. Automate the entire cash process for your bud tenders and managers. Get the best cash management platform there is. Check out Chima's website at chima-america.com. That's Chima spelled C-I-M-A. Wherever you count, it's Chima. Hey, most Canadian welcome to the business of cannabis this week. Uh, a Canadian welcome because we're on the trade uh, show floor at the International Centre, uh, not far from the Toronto airport. And we're here because it's O'Cannabis, one of Canada's largest cannabis shows. And over the next two weeks, we're going to bring you uh, interviews uh, we did at the show. It's a little different from our usual format, although we've done uh, these kind of things a few times. But usually, we're, you know, we're doing interviews in a controlled setting with computers and such. And it's it's different feel when you're when you're at a trade show. It's almost like parachuted into seeing a business operating in real time. Uh, there's an energy you can't capture uh, when doing an interview from a studio. Uh, but what's not different uh, in this show, um, it speaks to the business of cannabis mission, which frankly, I never get tired of saying. And I hope it's why uh, the business of cannabis has become a place where over 115,000 listeners tune in every week, because this is where you'll get the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines. The latest in cannabis brands, uh, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing, to put it bluntly, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. If you get one thing from this show, it's that there are so many creative minds that work in this business. And that goes for the largest players, the publicly traded companies, those international in scale, like our first guest, David Schwede from Heritage Cannabis. Uh, Heritage Cannabis, uh, they're big players in the cannabis extraction game in Canada. They're expanding into the US currently uh, in two states. And I'm guessing that's going to grow very fast. We'll find out from David how he's managed to dramatically increase sales, still be profitable in a very competitive space. Then we switch over to a super focused, unique brand brought to you by uh, two companies, one in the US, one in Canada, uh, Peak Farm Labs and Pleasure Peaks, both companies founded by our second guest, Antoinette Gomez. Antoinette's developed a line of cannabis products to promote a healthy sex life for women. She recently partnered with another company called Hybrid Farms, and her companies are really beginning to grow. And, and this is a brand with a super clear focus, target market, and not really a lot of competition. So I think you'll be intrigued, and not by the obvious fact that we're talking about sex and drugs. It's a business story and a very good one. So stay tuned for that. Our third guest that you hear from truly from the cannabis front lines. Tabitha Fritz started an edibles business in Toronto, first in the legacy market at, you know, a list of sort of farm fairs and 
through private networks. That experience led her to create products for the legal market. It's a small business story, everyone focused on creating the highest possible quality product in the edible space. And the strategy is pretty clear that quality will win the day. We'll find out from Tabitha how true that is, at least for now. Here in Toronto at the O Cannabis Trade Show, I'm Dave Sky, and this is the business of Canada. And welcome to the business of cannabis here at O Cannabis, uh, a trade show in Toronto, Canada. And I am excited to talk to David Schwady, a CEO of Heritage Cannabis, uh, a major player here in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, David uh, was formerly CEO of Premium Five. Uh, then there was a, uh, which was a cannabis uh, concentrate brand. Um, he then uh, there was a purchase, and he joined uh, as president of uh, the REC at Heritage, and then took over the CEO role in August 2021. A former senior manager of product development at Aurora Cannabis, and before that, uh, worked in tech startups and scaling uh, early stage uh, companies. So, David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate the time. Um, give us give us sort of Heritage Heritage's place in the marketplace, both in Canada and the U.S. For sure. Uh, so in, in Canada, yeah. we are, a, I think, very rec-focused business. Um, we have multiple brands in market. We touch every single category. Uh, it took us a little bit to get there, but uh, it's been a big year for us. Uh, we've grown 400% over the year. That's um, it? Okay. Yeah. You're fired. 25% <laughs> quarter over quarter for the last four quarters straight. Um, we put out a really cool... A press release that kind of shows where we compared everybody else in the marketplace and I think we're doing pretty good um, but yeah I think it's you got to sell a lot of products to make enough money to make it all happen and so we've just right really diverse portfolio and I think the the goal is to make forever skews similar to Jay-Z's forever music right um, you make something that people actually want, and I think they'll keep buying it. it, it and in the U.S., you, what's your presence there? Like, So we do the same thing down there. Uh, if you were to okay. pick up a heritage building and drop it into the states that we're in, so we're in Missouri, West Virginia, um, and working on a few other states. And if you dropped in heritage, it'd be extraction, uh, SOPs, IP, brands, distribution, everything that we know so that we can hit the ground running and, and be making money. Uh, overnight instead of losing money trying to learn. So you're, what provinces, are you across Canada? Yeah, we're in, we distribute and, to every and province in the country. And two states in the U.S., Missouri and... Yeah, okay. uh, Missouri and West Virginia. Can you tell us, is there's the next one coming up, or is that a, like a top secret, you'd have to kill me kind of thing? Uh, I, think I'd, I, I think I'd have to kill you. Okay, just so don't because, kill me. Yeah, no, the, don't tell me then. The, the publicly <laughs> traded thing. I want to know. Uh, yeah, lot, lot, lots, on, lots on the go. Just, yeah, uh, too many choices? Is that a problem? No, I think it's just they all take so long to get up and running. So we're a very good operator, and I think we've been recognized as a really good operator, but there's only so much brain power to go around, and we're trying to make sure that we get Canada stable first. Um, so we're entering lightly, trying to make good decisions with our capital, and there's not a lot of capital out there, so we have to make sure we're making the best decisions with what we have. So you have a, you mentioned your product line, which is pretty robust. I, I have written down, I got Pure Vita, Pure Forma, Rad, Feel Good, Anthro CBD, Optican, 
premium five. Yeah. So okay. I'll walk through Take it. Take us through yeah, that. Yeah, I'll walk through it a little uh, bit. So that's a lot. Yeah. So I think the goal is to cover every segment. Uh, you want to have your your value, your core, your premium, and then you, you do need some type of medical uh, looking brand if you're going to be providing um, to medical patients. Uh, the right. segment on medical patients looks for something a little bit different. To get into Shoppers Drug Mart originally, you had you needed a medically looking brand. And so right. uh, Optican is our medical side. And we are, the brand there that we uh, use in Canada is called CB4. In the U.S., it's called Optican, and then the Rec brands are Premium Five, Pure Pharma. Uh, they're the higher end brands, and then you've got uh, Feel Good, which is a topical brand, and Rad and Pure Vita are our high volume, targeted. Um, they're the kind of the breadwinners of the of the group. Are they? Are, so it's Feel Good and Pure Vita. Are these these are concentrates? Ah, uh, yeah. So you Rad, don't do flour. Rad and Pure Vita do do everything now. Oh, okay. uh, Pure Vita uh, is is um, more of the craft flower. Rad is more of the value flower. Um, so take us through your target market. Let's take us through the target market for your high volume product yeah. first, and then let's talk about the craft. Sure. Sort of. So Rad is the catch-all. Uh, Rad is our workhorse. It is the kind of eighteen to thirty-five. Um, young consumer that is got a little bit of expendable income um there's the 20 dollars checkout type stuff so everything's very inexpensive it's it's pricing weed like it's the 80s that's the tagline oh okay. uh, you've got you've <laughs> got um it's very 80s neon vibes kind of dazed and confused cool um, how'd you get that name like uh, really, that would be really the first name that I would get if I was doing a cannabis. Totally, <laughs> really awesome dope is the acronym. Oh, okay. So uh, really awesome dope is okay. rad, and and that's what we run that one on. Um, and we've got really awesome drinks in the works. Okay, I was going to uh, ask you that's the one cap, really well. one product category I didn't necessarily know that you had. Do you have edibles either, by the way? Yeah, so we have the radsicle. So we've the got radsicle. we're the freezy guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. And so. Uh, the Radsicle is actually classified Popular as Popular in summer. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's uh, it's a great product, and it's just ever ever evolving. And then on the on the maybe the craft, some of those brands, the higher, who's your target market there? Uh, it's the it's the connoisseur. It's the people that recognize good flour and um, are willing to pay a little bit more money for it because it's costs more money to produce. Is uh, there a demographic that's attached to that or is it income level you see? I think it's the experienced user, the the heavy user, the experienced user. Regardless of income or, or yeah. location. Yeah, that's the one that it, it seems like uh, the connoisseur of whiskeys. I mean, right. I know 20-year-olds with high income that are, they like scotch, they like right. whiskeys. And they'll, they'll, yeah. I know 60-year-old guys that are the exact same. Um, so that's one we're just entering. So up until about three months ago, we hadn't made a single dollar on flour. Uh, we got to about $9 million in revenue from 1.8 a year ago, uh, having never sold any flour. And so we just now started to sell flour and you're seeing continued growth numbers from us because we've entered now the largest category. Our thing was kind of do well and take big shares of the newer and harder categories to, to do well in. And so we're the number one concentrate producer in the country. Uh, by a good margin, uh, we've got. That's some the of country th of Canada. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of the U.S. Yeah, uh, of the US be, uh, that'll wild. be next year. Yeah, that'll be tomorrow. Um, 
So yeah, no, we're, we're doing really, really well. And you have to start to look at keeping revenue going and keeping the product lines moving. And so now is the time for us to enter flower as we really started to stabilize our balance sheet and uh, keep the growth going. So what's the, um, the marketing strategy on the flower side? Let's start there. Yeah. So that's because it's fun. It's interesting. You're sort of late to the party. Yeah. There's some success. Uh, how do you, how are you, what, yeah. how are you doing that? I think we're late by design. Um, we learned a lot launching the very first concentrates in the country. Uh, we launched premium five in uh, and, and learned a lot from being first. And so being late to the party is going to allow us to go in with a lot less cost on learning. We're going in with solid products uh, that people want in the right categories priced correctly uh, with gross margin, that we can rely on and and budgets that we can actually right. uphold. Oh, okay. So um, let's jump to the medicinal side. Sure. So that uh, maybe this is a preliminary question. How do you balance a company where it's rec with a product like rad yep. and then you have a medicinal product which is not rad? Yeah. How do you balance that? So first off, I think what we ended up seeing was the oh, we need products. So earlier I said obviously that we've got medical products that look medical for these platforms that really needed them to look a certain way, um, and that worked for a while. And but now you're seeing uh, like we have got products. We're the only group right now that has uh, products on canopies, their uh, spectrum therapeutics. Um, it's rad, it's premium five, it's concentrates. Our portfolio is so vast that it was more of a consumer wants something and Oh, and answering and answering that call. Seeing, yeah. And and so the brand for us, we need to be able to streamline. We can't have rad medical and rad rec. Rad is a brand and it is a rec heavy brand. And now it's also available on medical platforms because that's where those people are getting their medicine or, or oh. where they're doing their purchasing from. Um Okay, so bad question. There isn't. You're not having an adjustment. Not problem. anymore. It actually was not. Okay. Not anymore. Interesting. It's it's more of because intuitively you think it's two companies, two yeah. different types of people. You can't have the the medical branding people in the same room with the rec. And people, I think that's the way that it used to be thought about. And yeah. some there's differing views on everything. But for us, I think you look at us as a products company. I provide a portfolio, and you let me know what you want out of our portfolio. If it's missing anything, we're also very strong at product development and speed to market. We can add, uh, we can subtract, we can change. Um, but to be efficient and to be a profitable business, I think we have to start kind of setting our goalposts for how, how it works best for us to be able to make money. So we provide a portfolio and that's streamlined. It's, it's in inventory. We ship it quickly. We get paid. Um, that's that's Hopefully. what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're good at getting yeah. paid. Yeah. We're, get, we're good small, at that. Uh, that small detail. So where do you see the growth for Heritage coming for sure. in the next, I'll say, one to two years and then jump ahead five years? Sure. Uh, so one to two years right now, uh, we're entering flower. So we're seeing great success on flower, infused pre-rolls, um, bagged flower, the whole thing. And so that's going to be the next little while. It's a very, uh, it's, a it's a tough competition. Like you said, we are late to it. But um, we're trying to make the right decisions and move in there. So you're going to get growth out of that. You've got two different categories there. You've got infused products and you've got um, on non-infused flour. So there's lots of time there for us to get some growth out of that over the next year. And then post that, you should start seeing us 
starting to bring in some U.S. revenue. Um, Missouri's going rec legal potentially in October. Uh, right. That could be a that could be big. Um, now let's see if it happens. We're hopeful. Uh, it's looking promising, anyways, from what what the news and what everything's. Why did you choose those states? Why not something more obvious like California or California's Colorado way too competitive. Or... I don't like whispering at a concert. We want to be on stage. Okay. So um, limited license states. Um, very uh, inexpensive to battle something that you have one of few versus everybody can have it and money wins the game. Um, so we've entered we entered where so we so get could. in early and yeah and and also and I think we and then withstand the competition as yeah, if it comes or yeah when for, it comes not if it comes it's and it's exactly and and I think it's a situation as well of of the Canadian businesses um, where we have the ability to actually sell THC in the U.S. Uh, in relationships and, and joint ventures on on licenses or, or, or relationships on licenses versus NASDAQ-listed businesses and TSX-listed businesses because they can't touch THC. They've all got a CBD business. Sure. But we all know CBD in that market, from what we're seeing, is declining. Uh, so I think we're in a very unique position. While they're federally regulated to be unable to do that business, we can spread all over the U.S., and that's where the rest of that growth comes from. We were talking about five years I think we could be one of the most distributed house of brands in North America. So this is a perfect, I don't know if this is an unfair question. This is the last question because unfortunately we're kind of running out of time, but um, so I'm listening to this sure. and I hear all this success and you're doing well and flower, but why heritage? Why am I listening to this go, I got to check these guys out. Okay, you got yeah. a, a great product line, but so what? Why, why heritage? Why there, there's lots of, the proof is in the pudding. Um, if you look at us from an execution basis, um, we merged January 25th of 2021 and uh, with, uh, with, with Heritage. The, yeah. So Premium 5 was a, a company that we founded. We sold it into uh, Heritage and they did 1.8 million in their first quarter uh, when we got there. And from there in a year, we've taken to, it to over 9 million in a quarter with very little capital. Um, and we've done a phenomenal job turning everything around and, and being the company that we are now today, uh, we're first in concentrates, we're uh, fourth in oils, uh, we're, we're very strong in the categories that we go after, and now we're entering flour. And so I think that there's a lot of upside built in the fact that when we put our minds to something, it's evident that we're executing on it. Um, and we've got the best growth over the last little while in the space. And I think you're going to force, you're forcing us to call you now in, in six the, months the proof, to see where yeah, you're at. I think, yeah, I think it's an exciting <laughs> if, story. Uh, the proof's in the it, pudding it and, cool story. and and you can kind of go and everybody can look and see for themselves. We've been quiet up till this point because we didn't have much to talk about. Uh, so now we'd, we'd love to start getting noticed and having these conversations and have people checking in on us and um, we're doing it. Well, thank you. for Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that was an interesting, uh, uh, it's interesting to talk to, to sort of overnight success stories. I know this a lot of work goes into this moment. It sounds like you're at a bit of an inflection point. Um, check out uh, Heritage Cannabis uh, across Canada and in Missouri and in West Virginia. Uh, we've been talking to David Schwady, a CEO of Heritage Canada. Uh, check them out at heritagecan.com, and that's can with two N's at the end. I have a feeling that's a cannabis reference, so heritagecan with two N's.com. Uh, check out uh, what they've got going on. Uh, thanks again uh, for coming. This is great. Uh, we will be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis 
here on the trade show floor of the of O Cannabis in Toronto. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. guest on the business of cannabis from the trade show floor of Oak Cannabis in Toronto, Canada. We have the pleasure of speaking with Antoinette Gomez, who is founder and CEO of Pleasure Peaks and Peak Farm Labs, um, founding these companies in 2015, uh, a whole product line focused on uh, women's sexual health. Uh, an interesting uh, partnership with Hybrid Farms that happened in 2020 we're going to talk about. Um, and prior to uh, getting into the cannabis space, Antoinette was a holistic nutritionist uh, uh, dealing with chronic pain, but has uh, been in the, the cannabis space for almost a decade now, a little less, but getting pretty close. So Antoinette, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today. I appreciate that. And I'm happy you're here too, because it's an interesting, I love products that are focused and they have a, an actual target market. So let's, but before we dive into that, give us an over, like who are these, what do these two companies do? How do of course, yeah, most definitely. I love these businesses that we've created over the years. Um, so we have Pleasure Peaks and Peak Farm Labs. And Pleasure Peaks is a CBD hemp line, sexual wellness line based in the States. And we have all of your fun things from sexual lubricants to sexual bath salts with aphrodisiac essential oils to tinctures, capsules, topicals, all the fun things. And I love it. And I've, I've always been wanting to create a sexual health line, but I knew that there was a huge space for medical cannabis products for sexual health ailments. And now we're finally licensed with a new partnership with Hybrid Farm. And now we have Peak Farm Labs, our second company, which is a minority-owned pharmaceutical company that focuses on sexual health ailments. So take us, okay, so there's the overview. Let's dive into what are we actually talking about? What are the products um, that you're selling in the US and Canada? You don't have to differentiate. And, and then we'll dive into each product category and who you're selling it to. Yeah, the products that we're carrying are, are definitely our hero products. The ones that we're most known for, our most popular, Let's are our <laughs> suppositories, right? They're okay. trending right now. Everybody's talking about how to get suppositories onto the market. And that's been my bread and butter for nine years, <laughs> cannabis suppositories. Uh, so it's been really interesting. We uh, Second would be our lubricants, most definitely. Our infused lubricants are very much loved. Um, and then our bath salts. So I think when it came to building a sexual health line, a product line, it was really apparent that so many people suffer um, in different barriers when it comes to their sex lives. For some it's physical, for some it's mental, and we can create cannabinoid products and therapies that can target those specific areas. Were these products that had a life in the legacy market for decades and decades? Or are these kind of 
new formulations and new discoveries? That's such a great question. They're definitely a legacy product. As a person who's been in the industry for almost a decade now and working under the first legal marijuana program under Health Canada, um, I got to learn a lot from patients and a lot from drug development, um, from the compassion models that existed here in Canada. So I noticed that suppositories were huge because a lot of the cannabis patients back then were cancer patients and uh, people who are in really high um, levels of pain and we're finding that suppositories are a lot more effective because you're getting a lot more cannabinoid content versus smoking Was it more difficult to smoke or be, or to, to ingest something given it, their situation? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's very healthy. We're not going through the liver at that point. It goes directly into the bloodstream, whether you're using it vaginally or rectally. Um, when you're smoking cannabis, it's, it's obviously a little bit harmful on the lungs but you're only also getting around 20% of the cannabinoids. You're burning off 80%, whereas if you're using a suppository, you're actually getting 80% of the cannabinoids and you're not losing so much. So it's been a huge medical product within the legacy world for a very long time, and it's something that I've really privileged to have watched in the legacy market, and I've seen it for so many different ailments, but for sexual health is one that was really stuck out for me that I really wanted to champion in and continue to do medical research and drug development because that area never gets the respect right. it deserves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, it's sex and drugs, so it's a, it's little a combo. Hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good combo in some ways. Uh, you're certainly going to get attention for it, but I get the barriers. Mm -hmm. Before we got to talk to the barriers, take me through some of the marketing strategies that you that, that maybe you started with and then the ones that maybe didn't work and you know and then what's is working in terms of getting the getting the message out uh, reaching your audience and, and and making sales yeah that's such a great question in terms of marketing and cannabis it's been such a world it's almost an oxymoron <laughs> but yeah right? a jumbo shrimp but okay exactly. marketing and cannabis and especially with how long I've been doing it too, right? right? So marketing back then, nine years ago, is so different from marketing in cannabis now. And I feel that back then when I finally found that cannabis was a medical application under Health Canada, I was so shocked that not everybody knew about it. I was like, how was this some hidden secret? And I noticed that there wasn't any marketing you could do about it. Anything would be heavily penalized, and I still find that's very much the same in, in medical cannabis today. So we can't create claims. Because you can't say this works or we that works. Exactly. You so make recommendations. Exactly. That's tough. Which is why at Peak Farm Labs, when we look at marketing, our marketing is medical research, cannabinoid research, um, being a part of our observational surveys and getting the feedback out there and showing patients exactly what where we're coming from. And then Pleasure Peaks, us being a hemp CBD line, we get to do a lot of fun things. So we get to do tantric cannabis couple retreats. We like to do cannabis and sex tantric classes online and in person. So it's a lot more fun um, and easier with um, the hemp line that we have in the States. But when it comes to a pharmaceutical cannabinoid company, it's definitely very limited. But yeah. what I love about Peak Farm Labs is what we're doing a little bit differently than other medical cannabis companies, I think, is that we are really working closely with hospitals and gynecological centers. And we're, we're becoming the cannabis education arm for a lot of other doctors and clinics that don't want to have that responsibility. So I think it's really great that we're getting a lot of respect within the medical world while focusing on medical practices 
I'm and stealing all my questions because my next question <laughs> was, what's your sales channel? Who do you sell to? Who is your actual audience? Other than obviously it's women, we'll talk about that in a sec, but who do you sell directly to? Yeah, currently we're selling directly B2B, so we want to sell to any right. other manufacturer or processor who has a distribution um, partnership in place. So if they have a medical channel, do they have thousands of patients? So clinics or maybe some doctors who are open to it? Yes. Um, but it can't be sold in dispensaries or it can? It's not sold in dispensaries currently. Okay. It, when it comes to being in the Canadian market, uh, we've only been in the Canadian market for four months now. And honestly, we've been doing incredible work. We're already nominated for product of the year by Cannabis, which oh, wow. is so good. So we're getting tons of traction. But what we're finding is that um, it's a lot more smaller, the medical market in Canada, than what I was expecting. Um, but it's so It shows how much the industry in Canada has really um, been going towards the recreational market and and really prioritizing that so chasing perceived dollars yeah i would say that perceived dollars not reality dollars exactly and for us we're not looking at the recreational um consumers as our 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 consumers our consumers are doctors that need to acknowledge that cannabis is a real alternative for many alternatives Mm -hmm. so let's Let's uh, so let's assume you you have you have this channel, which I'm sure you will develop, and you may be further ahead in, in the U.S. Um, who's your target market then? You can't just say women. That's a, who, who is who do you see as sort of your target market for your for for peak farms or I mean, uh, yeah, for for peak farm labs. Yeah, you know what I love like about the demographic target. the. Is it age? Is it location? Is it education? Take us through that. Yeah, the demographics for our companies has always been for endometriosis patients. Like, that's the whole reason why I started the company Pleasure Peaks itself, is because I was finding so many endo patients were self-prescribing cannabis and finding it really helpful for their ailments. Um, It was I was finding it so effective that I wanted to make sure that we did it appropriately in terms of medical research and in terms of inclusivity. A lot of the research that's being done on sexual health isn't inclusive of women or non-binary people, and um, we're really trying to change that within research so it, it can be as effective as today. Um, so our, our target market has been so fascinating since we've grown. We started off as a woman's sexual health brand. We quickly learned that men and gay men um, are also using oh, our men products have sex as well. Too. What? Okay, this is breaking news from the business of cannabis. It, right, and they have hey, a whole as well. start with ideas in a business, <laughs> and wait a second, wait a second. What about the other half of the population? And they want to be included, and they are a thousand right. percent deserve to be included, and I think this is why we have taken out all of the female verbiage from our company on our print, on our packaging, on our website, because we wanted to make sure that everybody understands that their pleasure matters, no matter what barriers. Because sex is something that is so um, taboo to talk about, especially if you're a patient. And I just, as I'm working in the mm, medical space, there's right. so many reasons why you can have barriers within your sexual health. And it could be a little bit hard to talk about, but I want us to be really open because cannabis is taboo in itself. So let's just get on the same page and, and be a part of it. So our target market has grown from not just limited to women, but also um, gay men and, and pleasure when, when it comes to our recreational market. When we're talking about our pharmaceutical market, we're, we're learning so many male applications every day. 
and right. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. But our priorities is in endometriosis patients okay. and sexual, like women's sexual health patients, like fibroids and and polycystic ovarian uh, syndrome as well. So would it be fair to say, not put words in your mouth, it's for people who tends to be obviously a broad statement, who might have some issues with their sexual health or uh, pelvic health or pelvic, well, mm-hmm. yeah, and not necessarily the general just sex enhancement market. Exactly. I definitely see Pleasure Peaks as our sexual enhancement pleasure gotcha. line. It's I a see. lot more fun. Right. Oh, there's a lot more aphrodisiac-infused ingredients Perfect. into that one. Okay. When you're looking at the Peak Farm Labs pro- um, products, they're definitely always backed by research, uh, by pharmacists, and they're, they're focused on specific ailments rather than pleasure itself until we get there. But we're definitely focusing on the medical market because it's such a huge gap that isn't being treated and it's only getting bigger and bigger, we're finding. Right. Um, well, one of the themes on this show is uh, everyone talks rack, rack, rack. I'm not <laughs> sure that medicinal won't dwarf it. It will. You know, uh, <laughs> need FDA approval or Health Canada mm-hmm. approval, but when that happens, one or happen. two products is gonna dwarf the whole market. Yeah. But um, we're still waiting for that. Um, so use your crystal ball. Tell me in one or two years, where would you like to see this? Where do you think this company is going to be? New product, more focus on existing lines, more states. And where do you see that that growth happening? You know, I hope we are that medical product that dwarfs the whole industry. (laughs) I think that this product with what we have, our one to three suppository by Peak Farm Labs, has the potential to be the next Epidiolex or Sativex. These are cannabis drugs that were specifically formulated for specific ailments and have gone through at least a phase two to three um, clinical trial to FDA approval. With the efficacy and the research that we're finding so far, this is looking really promising that we can get there, which is really exciting. And yes, you're correct. This product is not good for every sexual health ailment, every everything under it, but it is is showing incredible results for endometriosis. And that's wow. an ailment that currently doesn't have a lot of alternatives. It's it's <laughs> birth right. control, which is funny right. enough, like I was mentioning before, and um, and hysterectomies, which is unfortunately a surgery yeah. that will remove um, either a piece or your, your uterus completely. And I feel that there is a huge market that still want to. Well, you solve that problem. Kids. You're not going to have a sales problem. Oh uh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> I think, you know, like we never sure. had a sales problem. Right. We our products have always sold ourselves. I'm so happy that I've been in this space for nine years and maintained complete equity in Pleasure Peaks, and I'm still majority equity owner in Peak Farm Labs. So we've never had issues when it comes okay. to sex and, and cannabis. It's the learning curve that legislation needs to get ahead of because patients deserve access to quality so, so medicine. So I'm gonna, we, we have just like a minute or two left, but yeah. I wanna ask, if, who would, if I could open up the, the airwaves and, and you could go into people's minds, would you like to talk to women and tell them what they need to hear or would it be legislators? And what would that message be? Yeah, it would definitely be legislators. Now what, would, what, is, what do you need to tell them? It would, I would tell them that the biggest unicorn that you've ever seen is investing into medical grade research of cannabinoid and psychedelic therapies. That is your next pharma. Right. Net pharma is going to be plant-based in the future, hopefully, and we can do that. And it's probably more sustainable than more, pharma, more pharmaceuticals 
and it is incredibly much larger of a market if it's trans if we can transition people off of farms. So jobs, it's high a end lot, jobs, but it's worth education, it. Sure, yeah. To keep this planet alive, to keep this this human race going, it's worth saving, and cannabis has a huge potential to do that. Antoinette, I really appreciate your time. We've been talking to Antoinette <laughs> Gomez, of, of pleasure, founder and CEO of Pleasure Peaks and Peak Farm Labs. Uh, check them out. Thank you. And um, best of luck. And we are going to keep in touch because I, like, I really do believe we do believe in this medical space, and and there's also the rec space that you're mm -hmm. kind of involved in. Yeah, um, there's a space for everything. There's room for everyone, and everybody has to do their part. Um, but we all have to do it consciously, right? <laughs> And we will be back uh, with more of uh, the business of cannabis from the O Cannabis uh, trade show floor in Toronto, Canada. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. So welcome back. We are here in o Canada, the trade show O'Cannabis in uh, Toronto, Canada. And uh, talking to uh, Tabitha Fritz, who is co-founder and CEO of Fritz Cannabis. Um, it's an interesting story. Uh, Tabitha began making gummies and capsules in the legacy market in, in her kitchen in 2015 uh, in Toronto from leftover vaporized weed. Uh, but that became, began an interesting journey that has led to Fritz Cannabis, purveyors of handcrafted small batch edibles for, in their words, the discerning cannabis connoisseur. Uh, prior to uh, and concurrent with this, uh, Tabitha has taught at the University of Toronto Business School. Uh, she co-founded an organization called The Green Tent, which is a woman-led organization working towards uh, gender parity in the cannabis industry. Tabitha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So uh, my first thought was when I, when I read the bio and so I heard about your background, I mean, it sounds like a straightforward trajectory and sounds really easy for what I, you know, but I don't think it was. That's my guess. Describe the journey from kitchen to this moment with a, with a, with a, with a uh, cannabis business, edibles business? For sure. So the business really got its start in 2015 when my husband and I started making edibles. Uh, and like you noted, just in our kitchen, um, we had a number of friends at the time who were patients, who didn't want to smoke, and who were looking for other ways to consume cannabis. We had always wanted to experiment with edibles. So we started making caps from um, oil that we infused from our already vaped bud because we knew that it would contain CBN. We started that. That was our first experiment with edibles. And that okay. went quite well. People responded well to that. So then we started trying gummies. So my husband found a recipe online with like jello and gelatin. Oh, no way. And, yeah, tried <laughs> was, was there literally a moment where like, let's do this? Yeah. There was a night. So yes, but like <laughs> I'll tell you what that was. And I'll get to it in a second. Someone so, got bored then. Yes. Yeah. No, he started making gummies and, and they were not very good in the beginning. So he right. really worked at it and, and got to a very good recipe. And then in 2016, I don't know if you remember, but in Toronto they had the Project Claudia raids where the cops raided all of the underground of dispensaries. For our international listeners, uh, yes, they, they, there were a lot of semi-legal 
pot shops around town. That's right. And the cops got into it, had That's to close right. them all. That's right. So a lot of them reopened, but under sort of the expectation that they would not sell edibles because they were... The, 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 the perception in the community at the time was that the police would not crack down on stores that were just selling weed, but they would crack down on stores that were selling edibles, unregulated edibles. So there became this large gap in the market for people who had been purchasing edibles before this, these raids, oh, gotcha. and there were no edibles available at these stores anymore. It's the perceived uh, danger That's of right. ingesting That's something right. in your body. Exactly. Yep. Gotcha. So, as a result, Lisa Campbell and Sarah Gillies started the Green Markets in Toronto, which were like these sort of underground farmers markets for edibles, for topicals, for concentrates. So for the 2.0 products that weren't readily available to consumers at the illicit dispensaries. So Ari and I, my husband and I, looked at each other and said, right. hey, like, we're already doing yeah, it. like we're already doing it. We're already making these for people. We have a pretty high risk tolerance between the two of us. We have business backgrounds. We're both entrepreneurs. Let's do it. Let's start a brand. Let's make this a business. Um, and so it was his idea to call it Fritz's Cannabis Company and name it after me. That was not my idea. Okay. That was his. Just okay, make to that know. clear. <laughs> But we started doing it. We started selling our edibles at these uh, green markets. And it was amazing, right? Like I got to connect face to face with my customer and my consumer and understand who was buying my product and what it was that they wanted, what questions they had, what kind of products would be best for them, what kind of cannabinoid ratio they were looking for. All of these really in-depth customer research questions, I got to have answered by the right. customer standing like across from me. Invaluable data that you That's couldn't right. possibly buy. That's exactly right, yeah. right? And so from that, we started to develop other products. We made cereal bars, we made granola, we made caramel oh, okay. corn made a lot of different products that people really liked you know you could see what people liked see what people didn't like you got really good feedback and so you know I would gather my data from a market on on a weekend and then analyze my data on a Monday and say to Ari hey these flavors sold really well why don't you go ahead and make those we'll do those next weekend let's try this new thing so it was this truly invaluable like on the ground level research and data that we were collecting through this whole thing Kind of knowing, especially in 2017 when they started talking about legalizing, or 2016 I guess, whatever it was, they started talking about legalizing cannabis, we said, hey, let's, let's do this. Like, let's get right. to the regulated market when we can. We know what consumers want. We know how to innovate. We know how to make these products. Let's do it. And so that was always a goal for us. And so we continued operating in the underground. They didn't legalize uh, 2.0 products in Canada until 2019. So 2019 was the first time that edibles were available on the regulated market. Um, And we talked to a number of LPs at that time who either did not see the value in what we had to offer or maybe saw the value in it but weren't willing to pay us for it in any way, shape, or form. Are those two things connected? Like what they didn't see the value in was paying for maybe a higher-end product? A more I th- expensive product. I, I think I what they no. I think what they didn't see the value in was the um, level of customer research that we had, how wow. well we knew the consumer, okay. and how well we knew what the consumer wanted to so purchase. You're saying they didn't. It doesn't matter. We to sell it. This right. This exactly. The, it's weed. They'll buy it. They'll buy it. Exactly. Yeah. It's weed. They'll buy it. Right. right? Gotcha. And so fine. You know, I, I'm a big believer in. The universe has a path for you, or God, or your higher self, or whatever you want to call it. Everyone has a different name for it. That's fine. And I believe that if your intentions are pure and noble, you will find the right path, and you will find success, and you will find happiness. So I said, okay, this is not the path for us. Like, this is not, we're clearly not supposed to work with these LPs. Right. 
let's keep doing what we're doing because we know why we're doing it. We're doing it to give access to people so that they have access to, to good edibles that are dosed the way they want them to be, that are consistent and quality and are tested. So we kept working. And then in 2020, we actually got the opportunity to move into the regulated market. We connected with an LP that was building out a facility where they would rent production space to different brands or different producers. Um, we found some investors who were willing to invest in what we were doing. And then we started the process of transitioning. We shut down our website, we stopped going to markets. Um, and in 2021, in May, we moved into our production facility, sent our first SKUs off to the OCS in October. Um, sorry, August, not October. And for uh, those of you who are not Canadian listening sorry, to the show, sorry. the OCS this is... is the Ontario Cannabis Store. They're yeah. provi the provincial wholesaler for Ontario here so in So all, all product needs to go through yep. this wholesaler. That's right. And so, and now I have five SKUs available in the OCS wow. and in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. Yep. So first question is, give us an overview of that product line, mm -hmm. those five products. Yep. Then why Saskatchewan? Okay. Which is, for, again, for those... Uh, is a Canadian a province, It's a yes. small Canadian province out west. Yeah. Um, so the five... Well, I'll just tell you why we went to Saskatchewan, because they yeah. were easy to get into. You oh, can work okay. directly with the retailers there, uh, and, right. and there's no provincial wholesaler that you have to go through, like in the, uh, many of the other, like in BC or Alberta. It's difficult to get so your Oklahoma products into market. Oklahoma of uh, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For better and or worse, more that's what one, it is. Maybe, yeah. We won't get into it. <laughs> Give us, give us your product line. So our product line, we have five gummies in market right now. Um, they all have different cannabinoid ratios and different flavors. So I've got a peach gummy that's five milligrams of THC, two to a package. I have a raspberry lemonade gummy that's five milligrams of THC and five milligrams of CBD. So that's a more balanced blend. That's one of my best sellers. People really like that I one. Like the, yeah. okay. I have strawberry kiwi, which is 10 milligrams of THC. And then we launched our fourth skew, which is uh, It Takes Two to Mango Hashco <laughs> Hash Rosin Gummies. <laughs> okay. So that's the name, It Takes Two to Mango. It's a mango flavored gummy. It's made with hash rosin produced by the Hashco guys. Oh, wow. Okay. So Hashco is another legacy that's your illegal first company. Hash. That's our first hash rosin gummy. Mm. It's the first hash rosin edible in Canada. So for those people Amazing. who don't know, hash rosin is a full spectrum extract. So it contains the native cannabinoid native cannabinoid ratio and the terpene right. profile from the plant. So it's a much more um, well-rounded and full body experience than consuming just a gummy that's made with distillate, for okay. instance, which is pretty much just THC. We are talking to Tabitha Fritz, co-founder and CEO of Fritz Cannabis, makers of handcrafted small batch edibles um, in uh, Ontario, mm -hmm. Canada, and Saskatchewan. That's right. I've learned. Um, it's funny about hash that it used to well, back in the legacy days, mm -hmm. several decades ago, it dominated the edible space and some, yep. or, or was far more prominent. Then it kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. What, with your knowledge of the, why did that happen? I, from what I know, and I am certainly not an expert, but from what I know, you talk to all these people. It, why are they always thinking? No, I want flour. I want flour. I want THC. I think a lot of it had to do with the availability of hash in the market. Just kind of disappeared. So yeah, like there was a lot of hash around. It was, you know, being brought in by I think soldiers or different groups or I'm not totally sure that's what I've what, heard. What? Yeah, who knows? So who knows, whatever. <laughs> um, there was a lot of hash and so it, hash is really good to cook with, right? It's right. easy, it's, 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 it's not complicated. Mm. Whereas like with flour, you've got to decarb it and then right. you've got to run it into oil and then you've got to strain it and do the whole thing and it's a lot of work, right? So hash is a lot easier to cook with. You just 
throw it in. I want to ask a, a, a more technical question mm -hmm. because the edible market is one of the barriers to growth is the problem of um, it's, it's, it's difficult to have a measured effect. Yep. And the effect could be too strong or not strong enough and it might take too long or too, too short a yep. time. Yep. Have you, what are your comments on that? Like how do you view that? Because you're selling this very product. Yep. How are you dealing with that issue? So I think there are a number of ways for people to deal with and, that. Yeah. Um, for one thing, edibles are not for everyone. Right? There, there are a, num a lot of people who just do not respond well to edibles. They, they really get a lot of anxiety from what you just described, from not knowing the timing of the onset, from not knowing how long it's going to last, from not knowing what to expect, right? And, and especially if they have some digestive issues or are perhaps missing some enzymes, they can't always predict what their experience is going to be gotcha. like. So I, I don't think that edibles are for everyone. I certainly wouldn't say that. But I, I do think that there are a number of benefits to edibles. And for one thing, one of them is how long-lasting the effects are, right? You smoke a joint, you vape a bowl, the effects are going to last about an hour. Huh. But if you have an edible, they can last anywhere from like 3 to like 12 hours, depending right. on how much you had or, you know, a number of different factors. So I think that that, while a disadvantage for some consumers, is an advantage for other consumers oh, and they like it. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, personally, I love taking an edible when I go to bed because I know it's going to help me stay asleep all night because right. it's so long-lasting, right? right? Now, there are a number of options on the market for infusions that help to reduce the um, variability of the onset and the, and the timing. So one of those options is nano-infusion, which we were talking about. Um, and so with nano-infusion, what producers do is they generally use a machine called a sonicator that uses sound waves to blast apart the cannabis oil molecules into much smaller molecules. And then those little oil pieces are coated with a substance that enables them to not glob back together the way oil normally okay. does. So the oil particles are really tiny. So then when you eat that edible or drink that beverage that's been nano-infused, those particles are so tiny that they're able to be absorbed through the stomach lining, through the small intestine, right into the bloodstream. So they don't have I to mean, go through the gut and through the liver and get processed okay. and take much longer to onset, okay. right? So this reduces the variability in onset. It also reduces the variability in duration. So it's going to come right, on a lot more, more quickly, it's more predictable, and you know it's going to end in about an hour or two. It's a lot like smoking, oh, okay. right? So for those consumers who don't like eating edibles because of that variability piece, a nano-infusion is a really great... Is that um, what Fritz is, is moving towards? or We plant? are potentially looking yeah, at a nano-infused okay. product. We actually Neat. do white label a nano-infused hash rosin gummy. So oh, proper, oh, okay. proper gummies are... We there make those, and oh. there's a nano-infused hash rosin gummy. So if that's something that people want, we would recommend. That's going to deal with your variability right there. We don't have too much time left, but I do want to ask... Because um, it sounds like you've done a lot of the hard work... Um, and you're at maybe at an inflection point, both mm -hmm. in the market and in your own business. What's what do you see as the future of edibles in Canada? And put your get the crystal ball out in a couple of years. Where would you like to see Fritz's? Is it white labeling? Is it more more varied product? Is it more? Where do you, where would you love to go? I so what I would really love to see first of all is the dosing limits increase. 
because if you're able to make different cannabinoid ratios of edibles, and if we can, so for those international listeners who right. don't know, yeah. uh, we are limited to 10 milligrams of THC in a package of edibles. And there are lots of consumers out there who require more than that, who are used to purchasing more than that from the legacy market, and will continue to purchase from the legacy market until they can get until higher dose edibles, right? right? Okay. So what I am hoping is that in a few years time, we'll actually be making edibles that are much higher dosed in a bag. I can put 100 milligrams in a bag, let's say, instead right. of 10, right? right? And that I'll be able to compete on the quality of my product and the fact that I know how to infuse gummies at a really high cannabinoid dosage and make them taste great. So that's what I'm hoping I'll be able to do in a few years. That's where I'm hoping we'll go. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep track of you. That's Great. pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, cannabis is uh, one of the great challenges of the industry. Mm -hmm. Every industry is unique. Maybe cannabis is relatively unique for the the, the regulatory hurdles they have to jump. Yeah. That other, not that there shouldn't be regulations. Of course there should, but the regulations aren't necessarily consumer driven. They're not helpful. Right, and they're not even helping the, they're not protecting the consumer. They're not. You're, they're leaving this whole second the, market open, right? right? And you're not um, gonna shut it down until you actually give people what they want. But it's, I, I, love, I love a product that knows what it's about and knows who they're selling to. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, well I, I hope, check out uh, Fritz's, that's F-R-I-T-Z-S dot C-A, Fritz's .ca. Check out the product with the five great yep. products. Yep. Um, and if you're uh, if you're here in Ontario and Saskatchewan, uh, reach out and, and enjoy the and enjoy. I, I enjoyed meeting you. Thank you very much. Thank this you. Thank you so really much. A really interesting story. Um, and we'll be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis from the trade show floor of the O Cannabis Trade Show in Toronto, Ontario. And we'll be back uh, with more soon. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. I hope you enjoyed uh, that. I certainly enjoyed a, a, an eclectic group of people. Um, we heard from David Schwede, a CEO of Heritage Cannabis, Antoinette Gomez, um, Peak Farm Labs, and Pleasure Peaks, uh, one the Canadian arm, one the American arm, and Tabitha Fritz of Fritz's Cannabis. Uh, I repeated, uh, I think, an, uh, often enough of where uh, we were. Um, in Toronto at the O Cannabis Trade Show at the International Center. Repetitiveness is apparently an important concept in advertising that I learned about. So I was uh, apologize for being too repetitive, but that's where we were and it's a, it was a cool show. Um, and maybe next year you could check it out. Don't have a lot of time to do our traditional close with Matt Cook. He will be uh, back in a week or two to, uh, uh, to do his usual close uh, of the show with me, but it, it did some comments. Uh, the show itself, I thought, was perhaps an interesting snapshot, certainly of the, can, the state of the cannabis business. 
in Canada. Um, it was not particularly well attended. Uh, it was well attended by exhibitors and professionals. They had an uh, incredible array of speakers um, and in interesting talks going on for, for both days of the conference, um, but not necessarily well attended by just attendees walking the floor. Uh, and when I talked to a lot of exhibitors, not like it was a few years ago, I guess there was more curiosity and interest in this industry itself. So maybe it's a positive sign of maturity and the trade shows need to adapt to that and figure out what do we need to bring to, what do people want to see and hear? Um, but it also, people spoke to the Canadian market is not an easy one right now. It's not so easy to make money. People are making money. You know, we talked to uh, David Schwede at Heritage Cannabis, whose who sales uh, have gone up uh, 400% um, every quarter the last year and become profitable. Uh, both uh, Antoinette Gomez and Tabitha Fritz, their companies are growing, but neither of them said it was easy. Um, certainly, people got into cannabis for a variety of reasons, but one of them was hey, this is, this is drugs and everyone makes money selling drugs. And then it's legal. We don't have the, the, the challenges or the, the fears of the illicit market, but it's not really borne out. And that's true of the largest companies, the publicly traded ones, all the way down to the, the more craft-oriented uh, businesses the, and, the, and the dispensary. Uh, federal legislation, seen as a panacea in the US for so much. Well, in Canada, it's legally, federally, obviously, but there's still a lot of barriers. So it's, it's not true, it's legalized, but not completely. Banking is still incredibly difficult. Um, visa still see, uh, credit cards still see uh, cannabis as high risk. You're paying very high rates for a lot of, for those payment services, but other other services. So there are a lot of barriers, still regulatory barriers, not uh, of course as well. Um, raises some interesting issues, though, for the U.S. as to the impact of uh, the end of uh, of that federal ban. Not that it shouldn't happen, but when does it happen? It's impossible to guess. If it's in two years. If it's in 10 years, that's definitely a show we're going to do in the future. I've just decided after listening to the interviews we did, what it will be the ramifications of that. Who will the winners be? Who will the losers be? How do you plan for something when you have no idea when it's going to happen? 10 years uh, could be a, maybe a realistic, a realistic endpoint. Uh, do you really plan for something that's 10 years out? Is that even a good idea? Well, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, uh, I'd wanna thank, of course, everyone listening. I wanna thank our guests, David Schwede, Antoinette Gomez, and Tabitha Fritz. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, uh, Cash Tech Currency Products. Go to www.cashtechcurrencyproducts.com uh, and check them out. My name's uh, Dave Skye. And this is The Business.
You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.